This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. Okay, we're on a series uh, called The Way of Jesus, and we looked last week at prayer, and we're going to continue in there, so we're becoming like Jesus, um, and we're going to talk about prayer. Uh, Tim Keller says that the infallible test of spiritual integrity is your private prayer life. Boom. This is even harder, this one. The proo- prayer is the proof and privilege of sonship, said Samuel, Samuel Chadwick 200 years ago. And immediately when I heard those quotes, I think, oh, I've got some work to do. The infallible test of my spiritual integrity, my prayer life, my five minutes of prayer, my ten minutes of prayer in the morning. You know, so how are you doing with prayer? How are you doing? Are you, are you, you, know, you can put your hands up at these, hands up if you're smashing it. I have sorted prayer. I am, you know, I am Brother Lawrence every moment of my day. I am in the presence of the Father while I'm driving to work. I'm in the presence. You know, Hans, if you got that, if you smashed that, great. Somebody did come to me and say that they've um, been saying that thing that we've been saying, uh, Jesus, you're here, now I'm here. And they just said to me that that really helped them in the week. And, you know, so, so we're making a start, but none of us are smashing it. We tend to feel guilty. You don't have to put your hand up because people are guilty. People don't like to put their hand up. But you feel guilty. You think, oh man, I know somewhere along this Christian journey I'm supposed to be better at this thing. Um, maybe you feel bored. You think, man, I've heard enough talks on prayer. Can we just move on and have some fun, do something else? Maybe you feel like I'm completely inadequate. Everybody else is getting it done and you're not. Maybe you're just distracted. Maybe you're just on your phone. I'm borrowing my wife's phone. Maybe you're just on your phone all the time. You're just like, oh, yeah, my phone, my phone, my precious, my precious. You know, maybe that's what you're doing with your phone. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe every time you think about, uh, try to pray, it's like a million monkeys go crazy in your head. And you think, oh, what about this? What about the washing? What about this? What about this? What about... And it's like, and you never get five minutes. Or maybe you're learning. Maybe you're learning. Dallas Willard said the open secret of many Bible-believing churches, and we would hope that would be us, is that a vanishingly small percentage of those actually talking about prayer are actually doing, uh, are doing what they talk about or requesting others to do that. So we get this, please pray for me, you know, and then we, yeah, yeah. You know, we, and we don't. And, 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 and those people that get on the kind of WhatsApp groups, please pray for this, please pray for that. I think, man, I hope there's that much praying going on. Dallas Willard, mate, that's from America. We love our American friends. But maybe it's in America, maybe us British are different, but I very much doubt it. I suspect we're considerably worse. That we talk a lot about prayer and we don't get it done. I mean, 21st century life works against prayer. So I've taken a snapshot of Elizabeth. Where's Elizabeth? Is Elizabeth here? She's on kids' work. Oh, I was hoping to make fun of her. This is not actually her phone. It's just from the internet. But this is Elizabeth's phone. She spent two hours and 45 minutes per day on screens. Who's using Is anyone using this? It's a nightmare, isn't it? Like it's, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's saying, you've run. You've done. Your Twitter moment is over. It's like, oh, wow. I put three hours. You know, a survey in 2017, again in the States, because they do surveys better than us, 
on average, we touch our phones 2,617 times. It's like, where's my phone? My phone, my phone, my phone. We're touching my phone. Touching our phones, 72 interactions with our phones. On average, this is the average bell curve, people, three hours and 15 minutes a day. I'm too busy. I've got no time. I've got no time for community. I've got no time for Jesus. I've got no time for prayer. Turn off your phone, Howard. So 21st century life works against prayer. You know, the, the, the phone in your pocket is, meant, is not working for you. You think it's yours, but it's actually working for somebody in Silicon Valley to make you buy stuff, grab your attention, chase you away, make you spend stuff. It's, it, it's working for someone else. And 21st century life works against someone else. It works against prayer because we, we, we're impatient. We're impatient to get it done. You know, so um, Mark, John Mark Comer, I really encourage you to go on the website of his church. His church is called Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon. Uh, there's a sidebar website called Practice in the Way. I've listened to every one of them. If I'm channeling too much of Mark, John Mark Comer, it's not I'm a plagiarist. He's really spoken to me. But go on that website. And he, he on one of the sermons that I listened to, it just struck me. It says, we're under the illusion that money can do what prayer can do but only faster. I'm sick. You like it? I like that. Christopher, a little chuckle. Uh, you know, I'm sick. Oh, I'll get private health care. I'm not against private health care. I'll go to the doctors. I'm, I'm sick. Let's get, spend some money on it. You know, I feel I, I feel I need peace. I need Sabbath. Tell you what, let's spend some money. Let's get on a holiday. You know, I, I, I need, give us our daily bread. I tell you what, there's a nice restaurant down the road. I, I need, to, I feel dissatisfied. I feel empty in my life. Click, and they'll deliver something from Amazon the next day. You know, and we feel like we're under the illusion that money can do what prayer can do, only faster. So we're working, I mean, there's a whole sermon there, but we're working against it's harder to pray in 21st century life than ever. But even in 1st century life, where they had no phones and they had no Amazon and they had no restaurants down the road, Jesus' disciples said, teach us to pray. The position, the, the attitude towards prayer is this. It's learning. That's the attitude, learning. With disciples, learners, that's the attitude. It's learning. Uh, let's just read from Luke 11. The two versions of this prayer, one is the long version in Matthew, the other one is the short version in Luke. Uh, we're going to run for the short version. It says, now Jesus was praying, oh, what a shock, in a certain place. And when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, not if, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Some versions have, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Father, we just pray that you teach us to pray. Lord, I've been on this journey a long time. I think, man, I have some work to do. But Lord, the attitude is not, oh, how am I doing? But Lord, hear my hunger. Hear our hunger. That we want to be where you are. That we want that place of your presence. We're not ticking a box called prayer. We want to build a relationship. Help us through this prayer 
to find a way deeper into relationship with you. If you weren't around last week, uh, I'll take your name later and rebuke you. No, but if you weren't around last week, you couldn't make it. Andrew Haslam from London served us brilliantly. Yeah, who's here and thought it was excellent? Um, please download it. Please listen to it. He spoke from Mark 1:35. He says, "And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place and prayed." There's a sense where Jesus was uh, doing rising early. He said, "This is about dedicating your time." The reason about getting up early is not because God is an early riser and by the afternoon God's asleep. No, that you get up early and you say, "This is the first fruits of my time." That's why we we say, "Put it first. You don't have to get up early while it's dark. Just try and do the first thing you want to do is not to reach for your phone, but to reach, well, if your Bible's on your phone, you'd be, better be self-disciplined, because it is on my phone. I have my Bible read to me, because I'm lazy. You get the U version, reads it to you, but just be careful, because little, there'll be a little number next to one of your apps, and you, oh, 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 you think, no, um, it's him I want, it's him I want, right? So, rising very early, he said, the first fruits of my time for Jesus, um, uh, Jesus departed, he went to a desolate place, he said, you've got to get away from all the pressure, you've got to get away from all the stuff, and I know if you're a mum, that's difficult, I know if you've got busy life, that's difficult, but we've got to say, take a time to get away, clear the distractions, go to a, 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 a desolate place where we're not going to be busy uh, uh, with other things, it's not that God likes desolate places, it's that in the busy life of Cheltenham, in the busy life of tra- travelling to work, we're distracted. And so, so our attention, it's about claiming a place and a time where our attention and our pressures of life and our other distractions, we clear them away and say, Jesus, this is your time, this is your place. I don't know if you're a if you're married or you're in a relationship and, and you have a, a date night uh, at this point, I walk up to my wife because it feels like a while now since we date nighted. We, we, we sort of substituted date night for watching a box set. It's not really the same, is it? No, because you're supposed to talk on date night. Have time on date night. Yeah? Commitment and love is spelled T-I-M-E, not N. E-T-F-L-I. <laughs> okay, yes, enough of my confession. Okay, so Jesus saw, though, that Jesus' disciples saw that he had a prayer life. Uh, Larry Kinder, American author, said this, Jesus' disciples saw that the, uh, that the life Jesus lived was centered. Say centered. Centered on daily intimacy with his Father, and they wanted that too. Say they wanted that too. We want that too, don't we? We want that too. I know we're leaning on open door, God, first. We want that too. So they said, teach us to pray. We need to learn. You don't come out of the womb a natural prayer. You come out of the womb a natural, distracted, kind of little crazy person <laughs> that needs to be lined up and organized. You know, you, uh, uh, enough. Uh, I, I read a, no, I will say, I read a great blog post by a lady called Emma Scrivener, His, uh, uh, her hubby, Glenn's preached here, and she wrote a post called, I did nothing today. And the, the line goes, the line goes, basically her husband comes home, and, and he says, what did you do today, Emma? <laughs> and she said, 
Well, I kind of got up, I cleaned, did a few nappies, I cooked a really nice lunch for my kid and they threw it on the floor. I had to pick cutlery out of the toilet. My, my kid ate dirt. We went for a walk. It took me a week to get their shoes on and then we were out for two minutes and they cried and they had to come back home. And then I did this and then I did this and then I did this. And she said, I just replied, I didn't do anything. <laughs> and I thought, it's such a great post. Please look out for it. If you want the link, I'll send it to you. But... but you know, busy lives, and we need to be taught the, the work of a mom, to, of, a, of a dad, to, to teach our kids, and we need to be taught, and we need to go to our father and say, teachers, we need to go to our, uh, our kind of disciple, our, our mentor, Jesus, and say, teachers. Prayer is learned behavior, says John Ortberg. Nobody is born an expert at it. Nobody ever masters it. Brother Lawrence, we'll talk about him in a minute, he was a 16th century monk, and he says, for many years I was bothered by the thought I was a failure at prayer. Is anyone bothered by that thought? One person nodding, you're a bunch of liars. For many years I was bothered by that thought I was a failure at prayer. Then one day I realized I'll always be a failure at prayer, and I've got along much better since. In other words, he's not doing what Andrew described last week about that good day, bad day thing, where you think, I prayed this morning, it's going to be a good day, I've done my spiritual disciplines tick, I've, I've texted my group, my little, my profound wisdom from my Bible reading, I've done all that tick, 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 it's going to be a good day, oh, I missed today, it's going to be a bad day. It's not that kind of legalistic thing, it's about saying, actually, uh, this isn't the issue. I'm not measuring how well I'm doing at prayer. I'm measuring my intimacy with Jesus. That that's what I want. And that's, if you read Brother Lawrence, he was a 16th century monk and he wrote a bunch of letters to people about practicing the presence of Jesus. And, um, and those are gathered in a book, amazingly called Practicing the Presence of Jesus. He died anonymous. Nobody knew his name. Uh, but actually, if you read that, it's like a 45 minute pamphlet and it's just full of like gold where he's just saying, I'm just. It's, I want to be with him. I want to be with him. I might pick up some more that week. Kevin DeYoung, a pastor from DC, said this, one of our problems with prayer is that we focus too much on trying to be better at prayer instead of focusing on the one we're praying with. So this, this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, it can be said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It can be recited, but I think, it, it, you know, you probably know this if you've been around church at all. If you haven't been around a church ever at all, you're really welcome. But if you haven't been around church at all, you realize actually it's more of a template. It's more of a kind of things to, to kind of visit on a journey of prayer that can last two minutes or five minutes or half an hour or whatever. Okay, and it starts with those words, and Andrew spoke about this last week, and, uh, and somebody came to the front and talked just very briefly about their father, it starts with our Father. That immediately, we're in vulnerable territory, aren't we? Broken families, more and more. Broken lives. Grace Gatley came to front and talked about her template for a father. And, and I knew that a lot of you thought, man, I, I feel when I say the word father, he never loved me. I didn't feel he ever approved or... Whatever for me, I say the word father and just think, well, I want there because he died when I was 17. I just feel naturally orphaned. I feel naturally, well, who's there for me? So when I pray father, I don't expect him to be there. My head says he ain't there because he wasn't there. For you, that might not be because of death. It might be just because he just wasn't there, just wasn't bothered, too busy in the office. You know that line, nobody ever dies to say they wish they spent more time in the office. Spend time with your kids. But what is God like? Maybe you think he's the grumpy old man. 
I was going to put a picture of myself up there, but I thought, no. <laughs> Christopher's discipling me on my grumpiness. But maybe you think God is a grumpy old man. He's like, where have you been? I was going to pick somebody out and embarrass them. I won't. Like, I'm going to say Andy Allen. <laughs> you know, where have you been? Where have you been? It's been, it's been a week since you prayed, Naomi. Where have you been? You know, what's the problem with you? And have you not sorted out your life? And you've not cleared it? Da, 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 da. And you think, whoa, I don't want to be with him. Maybe you think he's a grumpy old man. Think he, you know, he's always complaining, always unhappy. He's the ultimate legalist. Legalist is the word of the week, Jason. It's, you know, it's not, it's, you know, he's just saying, have you got the rules? Have you kept the rules? You think, why well, do I, well, I don't want to talk to him? Maybe he's like the CEO, the boss of the big company, and you feel like, I can never, ever, I'm, he, why is he going to want to talk to me? There's a football manager of great repute who's, who's the manager of the team that I support called Leeds United. And I think one of the players got invited into his office. And now all the rest of the team went, whoa, you got in Bielsa's office. You got in Bielsa's office. And I think, how does he manage the team when he never talks to them? He doesn't even speak English. He just does it through everybody else. And you think, you know, I'd like to talk to Bielsa. You just can't get in there. You think, man, he's a gifted genius. I mean, the Leeds fans are really blasphemous, calling him the Messiah. We probably won't go up again this year. I will have more wounds over that. But, you know, there's this idea that he's not available. He's just too busy. He's running the universe, for goodness sake. He's far too busy with you. John Tyson, American pastor uh, from New York. Well, he's Australian, but uh, uh, lives in New York. He said this. Forget the picture. I'll comment on that in a moment. Unless you break the stronghold of false images of God in your mind, you'll never be drawn to prayer. Unless you break the stronghold of false images of God in your mind, you'll never be drawn to prayer. So I thought, well, actually, rather than put a picture of me as a grumpy old man, I put myself as, hey, wasn't I good looking? <laughs> <laughs> Look at my, my kids. This is pre-Damaris. What is interesting is if you look at Zach at the front... And you look at me behind, there's an interesting thing happening with the feet, with the legs. <laughs> I have discipled him. He doesn't even know. He's in the zone. But, you know, when, when you have kids, you think, I want to be with them. I want to have fun with them. I want to bundle with them. We, I mean... I won't bore you because time's running, but we had such mad fun. We used to blacken the room out. We used to chase each other around with to scary music in the room, bundle. We played indoor rugby. We used to you know, wreck the furniture. We had an American, American guy. He was like a big, big guy. And he said, I'm going to come to play indoor rugby. And I say, you're too big for indoor rugby. But no, indoor rugby, you're on your knees. I mean, we just had fun. We used to have fun at bath time. I wanted to be with them. They wanted to be with me. We'd see how long we could hold our, our breath under the water. And like, they're my best memory is it's what God feels about you I don't want to hold your breath under the water because you haven't prayed for five weeks I'm going to hello you know no he wants to say come on let's have fun let's hang let's have fun our father say our father our father in the heavens what do you think heaven's like Again, John Mark Comer's sermon really helped me with this. He says, uh, you know, maybe you think heaven is like this kind of far away place. This kind of cloud city. This, it's definitely a, a long way from here. You know, it's the kind of place that it, it, you go when you die sort of thing. You know, our Father in heaven, well, that is a long way. You know, it's definitely further than London. 
You know, it's probably further than, than America. It's, well, is it well, it's further than Australia, isn't it? It's, it, it's, you know, it's that, it's a long way away, and it's kind of a bit, you know, harps and kind of angels and kind of cloud city and a bit, it's like. And there is a place where God dwells that is called heaven. But interestingly, some of the translations might put, if you, in the Lord's Prayer, our Father in the heavens. I don't do Greek here, but I can, there's a little place called Bible Hub. You can look and it tells you what the Greek word is and it tells you what the root of that Greek word is. Sometimes I think, hmm, I wonder what that word really is because you do realize it wasn't written in English. Okay, and so the Greek word for heaven, uh, Uranos, it sounds like something from Vic Reeves and Bob Morton, doesn't it? Uranu, the dove from above. But if you never went there, thank you, Mark. <laughs> Uranus, it, it comes from the root meaning to cover or encompass. And it's used for like the sky or the air. Now that changes it quite a lot, doesn't it? You think, our God who's in the air, how close is the air? It's pretty close. It's even in you. John says, my spirit will be in you. Now we don't want to get all mystical, be careful. You know, God's not air. But his spirit is like wind or ruach or breath. His spirit is in you. It's close. It's close. You know, we're going to sing a song after I finish. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence. Let's stop now. Let's just do that. Just breathe. Oh, it's Buddhist meditation. I went to that church and they did Buddhist. No. Stop it. Our Father in the heavens. He's really close. He's really close. He's as close as your hand on your face, isn't he? He's as close as the breath in your lungs. If you know him, he's close. He's removed your sin to be close. Alfred Lord Tennyson, the Victorian poet, said this. Speak to him, then he hears. Closer he is than breathing. And nearer than hands and feet. God doesn't know how to be absent. We're the ones who are absent. We're the ones who are gone. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God, where are you? Where are you? My challenge. We're the one who's moved. He's close. He is close. Father, you're here. Now I'm here. Father, you're here. Now we're here. Brother Lawrence uh, had been a soldier and um, had a conversion experience that we haven't time to go into, but um, became a, a monk, but actually wasn't able to be a full-blown full monk, his job was dishwashing. So he's the dishwasher in a, in a Paris monastery. He's cooking the food and dishwashing. Uh, and he said this about the closeness of God. The time of busyness does not with me differ from the time of prayer. I mean, bang. There's a lifetime of thinking there. The time of busyness does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, you know, you've seen Gordon Ramsay's kitchen. Don't watch it. It says, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I was upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. He learned to say, God, you're here. 
in the washing up, in the dirty nappies, in the emails, in the pressure of life, he's here. Our Father in the heavens. Hallowed be your name. It's interesting, the word hallowed is a funny one, isn't it? I think if somebody said to you, looking hallowed this morning, I'd probably think, are my bags really showing? You know, I'm looking, you're looking hallowed this morning. You know, you think, man, I'm, I'm not looking great. You know, um, hallowed. We kind of kind of know what it is, but nobody says, you, man, this is, we had a hallowed town. Ariane led us in the hallowed time of worship. Nobody uses that word, but the word actually comes out of the word uh, for holy Haggai. Uh, if you go to the Hagia Sophia, it means holy Sophia. Uh, uh, it's the kind of holy it's holiness. And holy can mean moral, mean like something good as opposed to something bad. But actually the root of the word is something special, something unique, something sacred, something set apart, something other. What you're doing when you're saying hallowed is your name, you're saying there's something special about you, Father. There's a category all of its own called godness, called otherness, called holy. And, and I'm recognizing that category. I recognize I'm not in that category. And you're not in that category, but I recognize he is in that category. There's something special about him. If you're in a relationship and you say to your uh, wife or husband or your children, you're special, that's cute, isn't it? It's brilliant. Yeah? Who says that? Does anyone say that? Is anyone part of that habit? A friend of mine called Pete, lived in London, used to say to his kids, Josh, love you. Lois, love you. I thought, that's a bit cheesy. And I thought, now they like it. I'm going to do it. Joe, I love you. <laughs> I'm working on that father wound. <laughs> You're basically saying, Jesus, I love you. Holy is your name. I love you. There's something unique, something special, something that I want to center on that's you. I'm going to set myself apart for you. I'm not going to give myself to my phone for three hours. I'm going to give myself to you for three minutes. I mean, that's a big jump, wouldn't it? That, for us, a lot of that would be a big jump. Three hours to three minutes. But I'm going to say, you're special. You're special. You're unique. You're holy. You're good. You do all things well. It's you I want. Your name. Hallowed be your name. You can say, uh, you could go, there's a whole series on the names of Jesus, but I must rush. But Jesus, well, what about Exodus 3.14? Moses took, meets God at the burning bush, and he says, what, what should I say your name is? Who should I tell them? God says to Moses, say that with me, I am who I am. What's great about I am, it's always now. Always now. God's always here, he's always now, he's always present. It's not like, I, he also he is what he will be, and he's, you know, but in a sense of, you don't want to think, my, my spiritual life with Jesus was, yeah, I remember when I was like a kid and come to Sunday school, I prayed that prayer. Or, you know, when I get my life sorted out and I get my act together and I sort it all out and my kids' lives calm down, then, then I'll be with him. Now there's a now about I am, about his name, that you should say now. Jesus, now. You're, Jesus, you're here. Now, I'm here. He should be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you want peace, where do you go for it? A beach? 
Hmm, sounds attractive. Yes, certainly I'm taught there. Oh, you know, what, if you want a counsellor, where do you go? I'm not against counsellors. Go to him. You go, if you, I want love, I want, you go to him. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I, I want those things in my life. Well, I go to him. I'm going to go to him. His name. He's the one who gives me peace now. You don't have a crazy lifestyle of madness and he just downloads peace. You, you clear the madness and you say, okay, let's, let's be with the Prince of Peace. Let's have that wholeness, that shalom. Time's going. Your kingdom come. I had not thought about this this way at all. When I think about your kingdom come, in fact, turn to the person next to you. If you were going to pray your kingdom come, what sort of things would you pray? If you're not a prayer, uh, or you haven't got a friend, you can just whistle. Uh, but what would you pray? Turn to the person next to you, or person behind. If you're going to pray your kingdom come, what sort of things would you pray? Okay. I, I tend to play, pray like, God, would you do some God stuff? Yeah? Yeah, basically, your kingdom come, God, do some God stuff. Grow the church, save some people, give us a building heal people, you know, change the nation, do some God stuff. But I think your kingdom come, and again, John Mark Comer really helped me with this, is it's actually a way of... Because when you pray your kingdom come, your will be done, it's not like God needs encouragement, does he? Now, God, if you've forgotten, your kingdom's meant to come, okay? I know you've forgotten. I know it feels like it's a mess, but I just want to remind you that your kingdom come. And you know, it'd be really handy if your would be done on earth as in heaven, because that would be good. But he hasn't forgotten, has he? Who's forgotten? We've forgotten. I found this really helpful. John Mark Carmen says, we've forgotten. We pray, let your kingdom come, because we've forgotten that it's him that does it. We've forgotten it's him that does it. He says this, the problem is most people, don't th- most people don't really think prayer makes a difference in how God acts. Your kingdom come is saying, God, I believe that you make a difference. My friends are not coming to Alpha, to 3 to 1. If we pray, does it make a difference? If we don't pray, it's because we don't think it makes a difference. Guilty is charged. The problem is most people don't think pray- prayer really makes a difference. Dallas Willard, again quoted by John Mark Comer, but in, the book, in his book on spiritual discipline, says this, God's response to our prayers is not a charade. <laughs> he does not pretend that he's answering our prayer. He does not pretend that he's answering our prayer when he's only doing what he's going to do anyway. The sovereignty of God. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe God is sovereign. But actually in this area called prayer, he can and does respond to us. Prayer, Christopher always quotes this, prayer is the hand, moves the hand that moves the world. The belief that our requests really do make a difference in what God does is vital. Without this faith, prayer is psychologically impossible. Maybe if you're struggling to pray, it's because you don't really believe it makes a difference. Your kingdom come. God, your stretched out hand is going to make a difference. I'm feeling busted and broken. I've been bruised by church. I've been damaged by life. I'm feeling sick. God, I'm praying for your hand on me. Let your kingdom come. Let your rule, your reign, your grace, your goodness, your presence come and do it. 
John Wesley famous quote, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. So what we've done in the first bit, when you think, man, time is chasing us, but what we've done in the first bit is we've basically said, can we, let's say what we said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. We've not really asked for anything much, have we? We've, we've kind of aligned ourselves before we've asked. Alignment comes before asking. If you go the other way round, in fact, there's a, uh, if you go the other way round, then you've got, you've got the kind of self-prayer. So imagine this. Lord, deliver me from evil. I think I might lose my job. I'm worried about my house. Keep me healthy, wealthy. Yeah, deliver me from that kind of evil. Yeah, that, that'd be good. And Lord, I feel really bad that I messed up. And, you know, I feel guilty. And, oh, you know, do you know what I'm like? Oh, you know, and, oh, by the way, be giving my daily bread. But, hey, I've got that covered anyway. But just... Anyway, it'd be nice to pray because, you know. Uh, and then by the time you get to the end, you say, oh, God, you're my father. You've prayed all the wrong way around. You've prayed for all the stuff, givers, leaders, whatever, rather than pray father first. And I do that. You start to pray and you immediately think, flip, you know, who's my job? What about my kids? And you start asking and you never get to alignment. You never get to, he's my father who's in charge of it all, who loves me, who's close, who wants to act. So we need to go through the alignment. So next one, give us each day our daily bread. I mean, there's more we could say in this, but basically two quotes for you. This is from a book called Meals with Jesus. Great little book, Tim Chester. We had him preach here some years back. Meals with Jesus. He says, every time we eat, we celebrate again our dependence on God and his faithfulness to our creation. You know, when if you didn't have food, you, you would feel like every time you eat, it's a blessing from God. Because we have multiple amounts of food, we chuck it away in our recycling bins, and we don't even think it comes from God, really. I think it comes from Morrison's. You know, it comes, well, I've got a wage, I can afford food, it's not a problem to me. But, but, but it's not that the basic thing is asking for bread, is we, we, we're doing something else. We're celebrating again our dependence on God. Actually, the thing about food, and I've said this many times, is you eat food as a way of saying, if I don't eat food, I'm going to die. That's called I'm dependent on my food. You drink, drink as a way of saying, without drink, I'm going to die. And those lines are not like, oh, don't we love red wine and bread? It's like, no, he's the one. He's the provider of my life every time. Every time we eat, we celebrate again our dependence on God and his faithfulness to his creation every time. That's what grace should be. Like, Lord, thank you for Naomi. Thank you, she's such a good cook. Thank you that she's friendly. Thank you, she's cooked ropes, roast beef. Thank you that we've got some people around. Thank you. And pray that we have a fun time, Jesus. Amen. That's, that's quite good. But how about this? Jesus, we recognize everything comes from you. That food comes from you and the very source of our life comes from you. We declare our dependence on you as we eat this food. Amen. But then he says, we also express our dependence on God by feasting, but also, amen, feasting, say feasting. Say fasting. Ooh, I don't like fasting. Just as food points to the goodness of God, so the hunger of fasting reminds of our need of God. Try a bit of fasting. Yeah. You know, in like years ago, like when you became a Christian, they'd say, right, try some fasting and solitude. Now you go like, go to a group and eat with them. <laughs> you think, yeah, I'm glad I live in 21st century, but actually there's something about like, like 
let's just strip out some rubbish. Again, great quote, Tish Harris and Warren, uh, Anglican woman minister, she's brilliant, brilliant. She wrote a book called Everyday Habits or something, The Liturgy of Everyday Habits. Of all the things he could have chosen to do in remembrance of him, Jesus chose a meal. The most ordinary of acts, eating and drinking through which to be present with his people. He says that the bread is his body. And the wine is his blood. He chooses the unremarkable and the plain and the average and abundant bread and wine. I, I, I thought it for the first time last night as I was thinking and praying about this. Give us each day our daily bread should take us to the table. It should take us to the table. We'll come to the table in a minute. And then after we've been to the table, then this flows so naturally. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive who sins against us. Sometimes when I confess my sins, it's actually much, much more, and confession is about what you've done, right? But it's much, much more about very self-centered, oh, Father, you know, I struggle. Help me not to be this. I did that again. I'm a bit of a hypocrite. Help me with that fake stuff that I so easily do. God, help me, help me, help me. And it's all very, very me. Was I think, forgive us our sins, should be, oh, we've just, give us our daily bread. Jesus took bread, died on the cross, give us his blood. Forgiveness of sins flows easy from there, doesn't it? Say yes. Thank you. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. We pray for whole relationships, healthy relationships. I know so many people, uh, you know, my family and beyond, who are not in church, not walking with Jesus because they've been hurt by people. But if you understand that he's the one who provides life, it's not that person or that person. You, you can take forgiveness and you can give forgiveness. And then, this, the, and then the prayer finishes, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And again, if you pray the prayer the wrong way around, you might think of all the things that you do wrong, all the things that you're tempted to do. I'm tempted to do this, I'm tempted to do this, I'm tempted to do this. It's like, don't think of that. Don't think of pink elephants, don't think of pink elephants. I'm tempted to do that. But actually, I think Jesus is saying, if you do it the right way around, it's easier. Luke 22, Jesus is praying in the garden. Finished with this. Jesus is praying uh, in the garden. It says he rose from prayer. Jesus is praying again, right? The critical moment in his life is saying, Father, I center on you. Went back to his disciples and he found them asleep, exhausted from being on their phones. <laughs> Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray that you will not fall into temptation. If you start saying, help me, keep me, help me to fight sin, help me to fight sin, help me to fight sin, it's the wrong way, but you say, Father in heaven, your name's special and holy, hallowed be your name, you're wonderful, you're now, you're present, let your kingdom come. Lord, thank you that you give me yourself, you'll give me very life, you give me salvation in your daily bread, help me to forgive others. You're suddenly in a different place when it comes to temptation. What I'd love to do is, in, uh, this week in your group, or on your own, to try and pray the Lord's Prayer. I've got 30-odd things from John Mark Comer's church, actually. I was trying to make it myself. I thought, wow, oh, I'll steal it. 30, 
handouts from John Mark Comer's Church on how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. If you're in the group in Gloucester with me, we're going to eat food. We're not going to fast, which is handy. We're going to eat food, and then we're going to pray through the Lord's Prayer in community. We're going to go through this journey. I'd encourage you to do the same. Brother Lawrence says this, Prayer is nothing else than a sense of God's presence. Let's just pause. We're going to pray. We're going to just pray, God, let your presence be here. Let your presence be here. He's the one in the heavens. He's he's in the air. Let's just breathe again. Father, just say, uh, say, Father, or say, Jesus, just to orientate yourself. Jesus, Father, you're here. Good Father, giver of good gifts, you're here. We say you're special. We set you apart as special. It's you that we want. It's time with you that we want. Lord, thank you that you've fed us with your broken body and shed blood. Thank you that you've forgiven us and washed us clean. Thank you we stand on a new basis with you. Thank you that our relationship with sin has changed because we're running after you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.